you should just go to City College, you know, with your work ethic. Just go to City College and then to jail and then back to City College and then maybe you learn to pull yourself up. Welcome to Flyover Film Country. I'm Olivia Clement. And I'm Isaac Sims, and joining us is Lady Bird herself, or Lady Bird's mother, rather. Marion. 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 So, um, today today yeah. we're covering Lady Bird. The I I mean, really, I feel like it's it's a modern classic at this point. In my 2017 opinion. modern classic. Yeah. yeah. So uh, but it's directed by Greta Gerwig. And it's got a great cast, and so we'll talk about it in a little bit. Uh, but this is a podcast about films off forgotten by Hollywood, and I don't remember the rest of our thing because we haven't set in a while. Well, that's basically it. And actually, before we uh, continued, we wanted to take a second to clarify exactly what it is our podcast does, um, because... We've been all over the place, especially last year. We were all over the place. I look back at our schedule and I was like, we've covered so much IP stuff. It's kind of embarrassing. So not really true to our name or our motto at all. But we've repivoted. We went into this year with a really good slate of Mm -hmm. episodes planned. And in the last couple of weeks, Olivia and I have worked on basically clarifying what it is we cover, uh, what we're all about, and um, we want to share that with you yeah. on this episode. Kind of yeah, like so... like a multiversal reset, if you will. I was going to say a soft launch, but that works too. Soft launch, yeah. Soft launch, um, like it's a restaurant. Exactly. Uh, because it was, you know, <laughs> it was, remember in December when I was like, well, what if we did, what if we like had the main feed and then we had separate feeds where we talked about like marvel and stuff and you were just like i don't want to do that (laughs) (laughs) well it was just so funny to me because i was like i don't want to do that and i know you don't want to do that (laughs) yeah and i was like well i thought maybe you wanted to you were like no and i was like okay (laughs) no i don't hear okay here's my thing we started this because you and i three years ago well really longer than that but we started this because we wanted to you and I wanted to continue to have conversations about film. And so it wasn't going to be as fun if it was just me talking to myself or maybe with a guest about Marvel stuff. Like I'd rather talk about Lady Bird or Thelma and Louise or even freaking um, facing the giants with, <laughs> with you and, and now Walter. So except yep. not today. Walter's not on today. Yep. Baby Lyle, I think no, ba- Baby Lyle, I know doing very well, so that's great. Um, sending shoutouts to to uh, the Lyle family. Walter said he Walter was trying to be back on this episode, but it didn't work out, unfortunately. So stupid job got in the way. Stupid job. Yeah, we need this to like really take off so that we can quit our our day jobs and this can be our day job. I love how we're gonna be saying that like fifteen years in to the podcast, yeah. <laughs> and we're gonna have the same like. 10 people listening yep, yep which hey i 
that's a we're good making it for you guys you know yeah you know who listens to like every single well every, he's seen most of the movies that we cover but um nathan street listens to like almost every single movie that we I, cover man i love that so much shout out going to nathan way back street. yeah yeah man i've known that dude since we were like 11 or 12 Mm mm-hmm so it's wild to me that when when my worlds collide like that I don't know if you feel this way but like when worlds collide it's it's such a surreal and bizarre feeling of like I don't you guys don't shouldn't know each other so it's it's crazy to me that you and Jess know Nathan yeah and it was hilarious because when I met him he was like yeah I've been listening to the podcast and I know Olivia and I was like, wait, what? And so yeah. <laughs> number one fan, number two fan, number one fan. I don't know. I don't know. Who's to say? Possibly. Who's to say? We love you all. Um, so, okay. Here, here are the two things that moving forward, we are going to be um, like, there will be the odd thing that is an outlier that we cover. But for the most part, the things that, we strive to cover fall into two categories um, to qualify to be a flyover film. It has to have a, a characteristics of a setting or characteristics of a theme mm-hmm. and yes. the setting. This is generally like the term that we, this is like basically our bylaws. <laughs> so uh, setting must be physically set in a location resembling the South Midwest or otherwise unusual lonely desolate or forgotten place whether real or fiction ugly or beautiful like sacramento you feel like that's, california like sacramento california which is <laughs> honestly okay and the thing about the thing about um i've talked about my background with urban planning and um kind of like not quite not design but like kind of like an understanding of urban design is Sacramento is a better city than like any city in the South and definitely almost any city in Arkansas. Yeah. And it's hilarious that Lady Bird thinks it's like the worst thing ever. I will. We'll talk about that later. I let's finish laying out everything and then we'll talk about that later. Fair, fair. Um, so that's the setting. The theme qualifying themes include anything pertaining to mundane universal human experiences and i feel like this is something we've been pretty true to i feel like we've now, been true to that this whole time yeah the the mundane universal human experiences take many forms tree of life right. falls into this category because it is it's a very artistic and emotional sort of portrayal of those themes and experiences nonetheless mm-hmm. it it qualifies Ladybird is more comic but it is also extremely relatable because of the coming of age aspect. Mm-hmm. So the breakdown of those experiences are road trips, school, boredom slash killing time, everyday work, love slash forlornness, coming of age, parenting and family, sports and teamwork, animals and friendships, neighbors, underdogs, going back to your hometown, defying expectations, community strife, etc. Pretty the accurate. Third- yeah, no, I think that's great. And and when we talk about it for Ladybird specifically, I think Ladybird hits a lot of those things. Yep. Um, so yeah, so those are like the main two qualifying criteria that we look at. But we also have a third one that's really important as well. 
Yeah. Wouldn't you say it? Honestly, the most important the one. The most important. Yeah. And do you want to share it? You share it. This you, was, you go This ahead. was your idea. No, 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 no. You go I, ahead. I no, you, you, were, you were like, you were leading straight into it so strong. Okay. All right. So the the third one and, and arguably the most important one is the film must be the Edgar Wright modern classic, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. And, you know, that's only going to happen every so often. Yeah. Every once uh, in a while. Every once in a while. So it hasn't happened in a while. It's not happening tonight, but maybe sometime soon. Yep. So anyway, those are the three criteria we're really, really trying to focus on and talk about and hit on when we talk about a film. That'll qualify when we come back for a five-year anniversary. We'll cover Scott Pilgrim again. Yeah. We're like halfway there. We're at this point more than halfway. No, we're pretty close. So we got, I mean, yeah. we got two years. Yeah. But it's so close. So much is going to happen between now and then. Yeah, exactly. Like we're going to um, become famous and quit our day jobs. Yeah, I would love that. Um, okay, the next thing. At the beginning of every episode from now on, we're going to, first of all, qualify. These are the characteristics that qualify this film, X film in the future as a flyover film the second thing we're going to do or attempt to do because you know it's going to get contentious it'll get divisive sometimes but for the most part olivia and i shared the same great mind the 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 mind capital g capital m great (laughs) mind (laughs) um if you you don't know then you don't know you know if you don't know you don't know exactly so there are five categories that all flyover films fall into generally and I'm going to describe these. Um, the first is John Piper would not approve, which is a film about faith that egregiously misrepresents the tenets of the Christian faith. We've covered a bunch of these. This is like, uh, go ahead. No, I was going to ask. That's what I was going to ask. Is like, can you give an example of that? Uh, God's not dead and left behind. Mm-hmm. Does John Popper, Popper, John, John Piper, Popper. John Popper, does he not like those movies? I honestly, you know, this is something that I think about because when you listen to sermons from people like Tim Keller, you get the sense that Tim Keller goes to the movies. He goes and sees at least a couple of like the movies that are, have been nominated for Oscars and he kind of, he knows what people are talking about, what's popular and kind of like he's hit. has people interested. Yeah, he's he, he knows what the kids are talking about. He knows what, he knows what the kids are talking about. John Piper is um you know he he is an extremely um prolific well-respected uh pastor of you know the evangelical um tradition and his college is located or his sorry his um i was reading something he's a chancellor of bethlehem college and seminary in minneapolis Mm. um but his and his church is located in minneapolis and minneapolis is like kind of an interesting um example of a wow like there aren't that many like famous movies set in minneapolis i'm sure that we'll dig some up in the future but it's not exactly the epicenter of culture the way new york city is the way the where tim tim keller's church is so i put john piper because 
the church that I grew up going to, John Piper was like almost God. Like, oh, mm. you're reading that book by John Piper? Oh, John Piper said, oh, like right, I just, yeah. I learned. And so, and John Piper's like respected in terms of how he has furthered like public under or you know public like basic understanding of theology sure and so i wonder what does he think about movies what do you, what does he think about art what is his tolerance for like i don't know bad i'm gonna go theology. see this even though this is well bad theology but also like this is what i think about christian movies and then mm. because you can't really think christian movies are bad unless you understand what good movies are sure and so i just wonder like if if someone that devoted to the christian faith it even cares about going to see movies you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah no that's great uh fun fact i've never read anything by john piper did you did you know what that meant whenever i put it in i mean or did you know who he was i know who he is but i didn't understand like of i mean of all the theologians you could have picked, you picked John Piper. So yeah. Um, Maybe Tim yeah. Keller would be a better, a better fit. I don't know. Oh, we, Hey, you know what? This is our podcast and we can do whatever we want. So if we so want to sub in Tim Keller, we can. So true. We'll table that. We'll come back to it. Come back to it. Next episode. We'll have made the decision. Um, the second category is, could almost make you believe in God. And that's a film that is basically the opposite of the previous category we described. It's a film about faith that powerfully demonstrates a character or multiple characters grappling with their own internal belief system. And tree of life is an example of this. And I think this is tree of life is the only example of a movie that we've like covered. that we've covered, but we are aiming to cover more like that. Yes. 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 What's the third one? I was, I was trying to think of another one that would be an example of that, but yeah. uh, I don't know any off the top of my head. So. Yeah. I don't want to say any because I think... I like, we're going to cover them. Th- we're both thinking of one I think that we're going to cover yes. maybe this yeah. year or like very early yeah. next year. So. Uh, so the next one is your parents have at least heard of this. So these are throwback movies, uh, basically movies that came up either when we were very young children or before we were born uh these are classics uh and so you know the it's kind of the the age-old debate of like what makes a classic a classic um and this could also mean your parents at least know someone who's in it right um oh john wayne's in that yeah yeah john wayne we love john oh, wayne. wow yeah um so yeah, so it could be something like along those lines. So Thelma and Louise is probably our most recent nine to five. We did that more recently. Yeah. So so those are are some examples of the classics we've covered. Um, what other classics or what other your parents have at least heard of this? Have we covered? Um, I don't know. If you vamp for a second, I can uh, I can find it real. Quick. I will say this. I told Isaac and Walter this. My mom listened to our nine to five episode earlier this week and was texting me throughout the entire episode, her thoughts on the, the, the episode. She did say she felt like this was one of her favorite ones to date. So I felt really good about that. That made me feel just proud. I think nice. how I feel of just like, okay, like cool, one of movie. your proudest moments as her daughter. 
yeah because this movie means so much to me and it means so much to her and just like our family uh and so for me to dissect that movie and talk about it with one of my at this point one of my oldest friends Mm -hmm. and hearing my mom be like this was really funny you guys are great and talking about it was like okay cool that was that was a sweet moment so yeah i'm looking back through i think blood simple is the only one that like even vaguely okay resembles um your parents have at least heard of this category yeah i think that we've been a lot i think we've been pretty intentional this year with the way that we've yes. curated stuff so yeah, or so curated too. the schedule so um fourth is actual flyover country i feel like ladybird falls into this because of mm-hmm. you know the way it depicts living in sacramento and living in a place that is kind of mundane or even like uh, you know we'll talk about this in a second but greta gerwig described in some interviews how she wanted the specific time period of 2002 to be the setting for this movie and how mm-hmm. people were kind of worried about money and terrorism and young people could kind of like not really give a shit about any of that. Right. Or had the luxury of not having to care. Um, so I thought that was interesting. I feel like, and I feel like a lot of, a lot of movies we cover will fit into this too. So in yeah. like that are even modern. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I think that'll be a fun category. And I think that's probably where we're going to hit on the most. But also, I think, especially because of the fifth one that we'll talk about here in a second, I think movies will fit into multiple categories. And so that leads into the next one, instant classic. And so these are our movies that we're going to cover as they're released into theaters. Um, And at some point in time, it'll probably fit into one of these other categories. So like something we've already talked about covering is across the spider verse, right? That comes out Mm -hmm. here pretty soon. And so I think when this episode comes out, it'll be like a week and a half out until that movie is released. And so, yeah, it's crazy. And so, um, so some of those, some of those movies that will be quote, instant classic category movies will be, things that may not necessarily fit into the flyover or any of our other categories, but like it's something that's pop culture something that people are going to want to see. Like right now at this point in time, based on the trailers that we've seen, I don't see how Barbie is going to fit into our like flyover theme. Traditional. Yeah. Yeah. But that's a movie we're covering. Right. So that'll fall into the instant category or instant classic category. But I also feel like, because it's Greta Gerwig, it'll probably fit into that some somehow, some way. So, um, Top Gun, you know, we not not that we were like brilliant, prescient, cultural, you know, uh, critics or anything like that who had the foresight that Top Gun Maverick was going to be a box office success and basically say thought it was going to happen. Movies, though. yeah, we we all we all thought had an idea of like. I think the trailer looked perfect and we wanted it to be good. And I think that kind of fueled its success. But Top Gun Maverick is an example of this where it's like, Oh yeah. When my daughter is old enough to care about movies, I'll be able able to say, I remember when I recorded my podcast about this movie, we're going to watch it together. And 
and then you're gonna l- listen and to this episode to my that's like one of our longest it. episodes and she's in what's not gonna age well about that like the movie's gonna age a lot better than the podcast itself because we're making a bunch of morbius jokes so yeah she's gonna be like what is morbius and you're just gonna yeah. say don't worry about it maybe i'll show her Mor- morbius right after for her to don't know to this her. is good art and bad art okay yeah maybe maybe we'll see we'll see um the sixth category uh is to qualify the film must be the edgar wright modern class and scott scott pilgrim versus the world so right ladybird so, is not that it's not that should we jump into ladybird let's jump right in dive right let's, in. guys let's dive right in let's dive right in rubbing my so, hands together let's dive right in let's dive right in so just a quick synopsis of ladybird if you've never seen it i just saw what imdbs it's the shortest synopsis i've ever seen it says in 2002 an artistically inclined 17 year old girl comes of age in sacramento california that's it that is the nice. summary so i think that's like a pretty fair summary of the movie would you want to add to that nope i feel like that's extremely accurate So this movie came out in 2017, as we've previously previously stated, and it was directed by Greta Gerwig. This is her first mm-hmm. solo uh, script. She's true she indie wrote this. production. Yeah, yeah. She also has co-directed a couple of things, but this is her first. This is her directorial debut. I am struggling with my words. I'm so sorry. Drake um, What'd you say? directorial directorial debut uh so talk about a debut yep is this this is one of the best movies um ever <laughs> like like this is one of the best debuts ever but it's also one of the best um endings to a movie mm-hmm. ever yeah it's one of the it's like an incredible screenplay mm-hmm. it's you know she was she was uh there was a director's guild of america interview where she was talking to spike jones about different calls that she and she and him had mm-hmm. about basically him kind of giving his his um advice on how to direct the first movie and one of the things that she said was that their um, director of photography and her went through all of, you know, like, like she, the first thing that's crazy to me is like, she wrote 300 to 400 pages. Oh yeah. Of, you know, and then whittled it down, which makes me feel kind of like crazy as someone like an aspiring writer. Mm-hmm. Like I don't write nearly that much Mm -hmm. and to be able to have that that much material it's like that's not the gold standard necessarily but it is extremely impressive (laughs) and it's like like really intimidating so yeah yeah well and it's also it's so fascinating because she didn't tell anyone she was doing this um Greta Gerwig was she wasn't well known by any means but she had been in several indie movies of her own like in her own right as an actor and so uh, so because of that, she had a lot of connections within Hollywood and she didn't tell anyone she was working on this film. Like she mm-hmm. was, 
she was keeping everyone in the dark, I'm going to guess that the only person who probably knew she was working on this was Noah Baumbach. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, because a, a script is, when it's translated into a movie, it's like every page is about a minute on screen, right? Mm-hmm. And so the fact that she was able to, like, somehow cut it from like you know 350 to so which would have been 350 minutes how long how many hours is that oh like uh geez almost five five yeah because yeah and she got it down to a 120 page script which somehow this movie ends up only being an hour and a half because that could have been a two-hour movie um, which we I should think, have a category in our points for if it's length <laughs> near an hour and a half or less. Yeah, ninety-ish minutes or less. Yeah, we need. Let go ahead and add that in there. Yeah, we'll we'll so, do it. Yeah, I'll yeah we'll now. do it. But this movie. So the reason why I because I'm the one who suggested this movie. It's one of my favorite movies I think of all time, and the reason why I was like we should cover this because it. Well, it's set in California, which is not flyover country, and Sacramento by no means is like a small town. And this is something Greg Gerwig has said, like it has the feel of a small town, and you feel that in the movie. Like, it, yes, yeah, you don't feel like you're in some big, huge city. You're you're in a small town, and, and I was watching some interviews with Greg Gerwig from. Uh, you know, 2017 when this movie ha- was released and she was like, I don't drive around Sacramento. Like whenever I'm in Sacramento, it's not this, you know, actor, director who's coming to her small hometown. It's I am so-and-so's daughter. I'm so-and-so's sister. They ask me how my parents are doing, which is like, that's the feel of the small town, right? Like, yeah walking into a store and running into someone and going, Hey, how's your mom doing? You know, like yeah, that that's stuff you do in flyover country, not in what I imagine in California. Right. Yeah. So the, f- the family unit is yeah. a huge component of these movies and, you know, huge. That's why, that's why we have a couple like point systems for, you know, things related to family and to, you know, the conflicts that come within family but that's like it's basically like a disregard for who you've become and also like reverting back to who you were to those people Mm -hmm. as they knew you in high school or junior high or elementary school so yeah yeah have you ever like i don't i mean you didn't really move that far away from like your parents or hometown or anything like that. So this might not be something you experienced, but sometimes it's like when I'm around certain people from various points in my life, like especially younger points of my life, like when I'm with my high school friends, which is very rare. I feel like sometimes I revert back into my like 16 year old self a little bit. And it's a weird feeling. And you, I like, I noticed the shift. So is that anything you've ever experienced? Hundred percent. And like, I mean, how do you feel whenever you feel that shift? I I feel it's like it's really odd, honestly, and I feel so strange about it because it's like 
I am not this 16 year old kid anymore. Why am I acting this way? Um, it's, it's almost like I'm trying to like parent myself in that moment of like, you are, Hmm. you're not 16 anymore. You're, you're, you know, you're 28 years old and yet you're being, you're like freaking out about stuff that you haven't worried about in 12 years. What's happening? Yeah. It's, it's funny. And like, I, I know my family listens to the podcast, but I, I don't feel any, you know, um, reservations sharing this when <laughs> I, I went to the, one of the last basketball games that I went to see my brother play. He just graduated. Um, I told my sister, I'm, I'm really glad that John is going to college because I'm, I'm ready to, it's kind of the it's kind of like him graduating and going to college is almost the last step that i need to take to completely grow out of the person i was in high school Mm. even though even though like i have grown out of high school for many years just whenever i go back into a gym or like and i see the people who knew me when i was eight years old those people mean really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and some of them genuinely care about me and what's happening in my life, but most are polite. And when they make conversation, just kind of make me feel like I'm 17 or 16 again. Mm-hmm. And I know it's, I know it's not their fault, but I really don't like that feeling. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, I, I guess the beauty of, no one living in none, no family members living in like my hometown of Duncan or in Fort Smith where I, I went for high school is I don't, I don't have to experience that very often. Yeah. Uh, there's been a, there's been a couple times where, you know, friends from high school got married and I went to the wedding or whatever. And I, I would run into like parents that I was like, Oh no, I don't want to, I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> um, which that happened at a wedding that both you and I attended and uh-huh. I was just like, oh no, I don't want to, I don't want to talk to this parent. <laughs> um, and it was fine, but it was just like, all of a sudden I reverted back into this, this 16 year old girl who was so insecure about everything. Like most 16 year olds are. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it's a weird feeling for sure. Yeah. It's, uh, uh and yeah. And I, yeah, I want to reiterate, I, I really mean no ill if, you know, by by what I said, just in terms of like, that's just how I feel. And, um, and it's important to, you know, it's important for people to grow up and kind of like decide on their terms, how they, um, how they move forward. And it's just, I don't know why, but that's just like how it looks for me. So, yeah. But yeah. I think for Greta Gerwig, cause, cause a lot of people asked her, you know, how much of this is you and your life. And for her, she always said like, this is not autobiographical. I am not Lady Bird. Marion is not my mom. This was not our relationship. But kind of in the same way that the, the sister says to Lady Bird, like, you know, you love Sacramento. Like you can, the way you talk about it, it's, it's with such love. I think that this is Greta Gerwig's own, way of loving like where she's from and um, the places she went to in Sacramento and also kind of 
growing out of it. Uh, and, and I think that's something that we all kind of have to face at some point, right? Like at some point we have to face our, where we came from and mm. we can run away from it as much as we want, but running away from things doesn't make them disappear as much no. as we, we want them to. And so um, I, I think this movie, I, I'm curious what your thoughts are on this. I think this movie has, has a couple different, more or less love letters. It's a love letter between a daughter and a mother. It's a love letter between, um, that's like the primary one. Mm. And, and then I think underneath that, you know, it's a love letter between two best friends, you know, Lady Bird and Julie. Um, and then I would say it's a love letter to your hometown. And, and there's like the romantic love relationships that happen in this movie as well. But I, I think those are so secondary to these other ones. Yep. What are, what are your thoughts? The first shot of the movie is her and her mom lying on the motel bed mm-hmm. asleep facing each other, which is just so beautiful. And then the last, you know, the last sequence is her on the phone with her mom describing how she felt the first time she drove in Sacramento. Mm-hmm. And I realized, cause this was the second time I saw it, that there's a scene earlier in the movie where she, where um, Marion gets off work and she's driving home and she looks really, really happy. Mm-hmm. And there's some peaceful music playing. And then it just cuts really suddenly whenever she gets home and she like closes the car door. Yeah. And so you're right on because it's, she when when Lady Bird's on the phone or Christine at that point and says, "Did you ever feel happy or emotional driving through Sacramento?" Because I did the first day, the first time I drove through Sacramento, and it's kind it's like the the place. That's what's so skillful about this movie is that the place and the people connected to that place. In this case, uh, the her mom are distinct but inseparable mm-hmm. because I'm assuming that her mom, Greta Gerwig's mom still lives there and that Marion, the character would never move away. Right. Because everything they have is there. Um, and that's just like, I don't know. We're kind of, we're waxing eloquent about it, but it's true. It's, it's true. Cause like we, and in that sense, it's a universal feeling. Like people feel that way about New York and they in Orlando and LA and places about like movies about places we we would probably not cover on our podcast. But it's the smaller places that are quieter and cater to, you know, raising a family and like mm-hmm. the difficulty and hardship that comes with doing that. Um there really is like a core of of a a core tenant of our podcast. Yeah. Yeah, because I think about how we all have grown up in flyover country. And, and honestly, like I don't ever see myself leaving flyover country. Um as much as like there are lots of things that I do not like about, you know, the current state of Oklahoma specifically. But even the state of Arkansas, like, 
there are lots of things I'm like, wow, this, this really sucks. Um, mm-hmm. you know, things are better in other States, but like, also it's like, well, this is, this is where my friends and family are. And I like that I live within driving distance of most of my friends and my family. And so yeah. like I could move somewhere else, um, not in this economy, but, uh, theoretically I could move somewhere else, but also why would I? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a big segment. Yeah. It's a big segment of the population that feels that way. So, yeah. Um, I also feel like if everyone just leaves then it's never going to actually get better, but that's a sidebar. Um, that's true. But well, I also go ahead. Most, most, uh, you know, big cities are, growing pretty rapidly mm-hmm. yeah and so so america by and large is becoming less rural mm-hmm. which is which is i don't know i just think that's i think that's interesting to remember because the small like the way people view little rock or oklahoma city is like smaller cities or small town town um it's like they're they're not going to be that way that one day one day they're going to be huge so no i mean i think I saw somewhere recently that Bentonville is going to have like over a million people in the next, what, like five or 10 years. That would be crazy. Which would be crazy. Like, I feel like that's really ambitious, but I could be wrong. I mean, maybe it wasn't five, maybe, maybe it was like 15 to 20, but still like, that's, that's crazy. Uh, yeah. Like OKC is constantly growing in population. Um, but I do think that, most people view it even even in you know if you're in this state like people view okc as a small small town um it's a big small Mm -hmm. town yeah and and so i think a lot of people have kind of this similar feeling to ladybird in this movie of i want to get out like i don't want to be here and she goes i want to go where there's culture and she goes like new york city or at least connecticut which was a hilarious line because like Connecticut in my mind is so white and there's not any culture there yeah there's Um, like nothing there there's nothing there except a really good basketball program what did she say what did she say about I wish I lived through something or like lived through a tragedy or something a tragedy as if she did not live through (laughs) 9-11 the way that that the way that she wrote 9-11 is like or you know this movie being set in 2002 and kind of like the we'll get to Tracy Letts here in a second but like the financial stress of the movie and you know the privilege of not really having to worry about terrorism the way that like parents do and like I don't know airline security changing and all that stuff mm-hmm. is is really skillful because it's not insensitive it's just kind of like Oh, you, I mean, like, we can, we can make a choke at, like, not at anyone's expense, mm-hmm. but just kind of like a, like, an offhand comment. Right. So. Yeah. Kind of like when, uh, she and Julie are talking and Julie's like, well, what about terrorism? Cause that was the, yeah. fe- I mean, and we were so young when that happened. Like, I literally turned seven the day before 9 11 happened. Right. Um, and so we were so young so like seeing 
I, I felt like we didn't really see the effects of it until we were older, uh, until we were probably like later elementary school, early, you know, middle school age. But there was this like huge fear that was like looming over the entire country of terrorism because mm-hmm. no one really like came stateside to attack the U.S. And so I think that like showed that the U.S. is not this in, like invincible thing. Oh yeah, thing. yeah. And so it like really just like was. So terrorism was this big fear. And so she goes, what about terrorism? And Lady Bird goes, don't be a Republican, which is hilarious because it's like, we are seeing, we still see Republicans talk about that today. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was watching this movie Wednesday, nope, today's Wednesday, Monday night with some of my friends. And one of my friends had never seen this movie before. The way he laughed so hard at that line was it just made my whole day because I was like was not expecting him to laugh that hard and just it was it was just a good line anyway yeah um, yeah. and terrorism is still a problem you know like when vice came out I was talking to a a extended family member about it and their response was I don't really appreciate uh like I'm paraphrasing but he basically said like I don't appreciate liberal media taking Dick Cheney to the chopping block because the stuff that he implemented after nine 11 has helped like protect our country and like mm-hmm. my family and all this stuff. And I was like, Oh, okay. But he's not a good person. Yeah. <laughs> so He's not a good person. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Also, anyway, anyway, getting off of that, going back to this movie, uh, I don't um, remember how was, we got there. What? Where? 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 Um, I sound like a DJ. What <laughs> was? Where did you see this movie first? Did you see it when it came out in seventeen? Because I didn't see it till like well after it came out. I saw it. So I know I've talked about this place a few times. I saw it at the Tower Theater here in OKC, and it was. Right, I think it was like a a month or two before the Oscars, and so they they kind of do that a lot, especially with like A twenty four or like other oh, indie cool. yeah. movies. Is like they will show those there, um, and I think like specifically like A twenty four and Neon, these studios are getting. Um, or distribution, I guess they're not studios, but like distribution companies, they uh, are becoming more popular, I think, in mainstream uh, circles. And so I don't think they're getting quite as like narrow of a release window here in OKC. But mm-hmm. at that time, for sure, like this, I, I don't think it had come out in OKC. So I saw it at the tower with my mom. That's awesome. So yeah, it was it was really it was really sweet. So this is I've seen two A twenty four movies that are about a mother daughter relationship with my mom, unknowingly. Nice. So nice. uh but yeah, so that was like two thousand eighteen. Gotcha. Like early two thousand eighteen. When did you see it for the first time? You know, I don't remember. I think I think maybe I watched it be- at my parents' house before they moved after college. Um 
I don't really remember. And, you know, like, I'm, it's funny because, you know, we have a, you and I have a list of A24 movies on, um, on Letterboxd that we share. And it's, you know, I was trying to ask the question, like, where, I think that Moonlight was the big turning point for, like, since Moonlight won the Oscar for uh, Best right. Picture. Like, the year um, before. I think that kind of catapulted the brand of A24, you know, like this yeah. past year at a everything everywhere all at once won everything. Um, but even before that, like ex machina was really big. Um, and respected. And I'm looking at some of the other ones like spectacular, spectacular now bling ring. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's just interesting looking back. I was I was trying to ask the question if Lady Bird was the one that kind of started changing people's minds about oh dang this is like a this this production company is a pretty big deal. But I think it really was. Um, I think it was Moonlight. Yeah, yeah, I think it was Moonlight for sure. I but I think this helped as well yeah. but i think moonlight was like the the one yeah it's funny because dang a24 has a lot of flyover movies it does yeah, like a lot sure. <laughs> and like we've either covered or we're going to cover a bunch of these i'm looking at so it's mm-hmm. pretty crazy anyway it's neither here nor there um what was this the first movie you saw Timothy Chalamet in? Ooh, that's a good question. I because he's kind of like out, like he's kind of eclipsed Sorcerer Ronan as a as a leading performer in a, in like a like a leading star almost. Yeah, I think that's true. I think he's probably more well known than she is at this moment in time. Yeah. Um. I think that, yeah, I think that this was the first thing I saw him in, because I I didn't see anything, I didn't see chill men, women, and children, I didn't yeah. see Interstellar until like a year ago. Um, I I it just threw me off when I watched Interstellar. I was like, is that Timothy Chalamet? And yeah, he's like and he's in for five seconds, and it's yeah, like he's not even in it. Apparently, yeah. there was an interview. Jess found this because she's obsessed with Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> um, he he basically said in an interview that he was really disappointed, and he like I think he may have cried when he realized how little he was in. Interstellar. Oh no! <laughs> yeah. So, I will say just, this. Yeah. I think that you and Timothy Chalamet have similar hair. At least, like his hair in this movie. Uh-huh. Like the way your hair kind of is right now, it's very similar. So. I would uh I would love if it looked exactly like his hair because his He's got good hair. Got Hey, he's got a good mane. He does. Yeah. He's got a good mane. Um, was this the first thing you saw him in? I think so. I think I was like, okay. "Dang, that guy's like really charismatic." And here's here's the thing is like he's uh Kyle, the character he plays in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um not a good person. No. But but also, like, 
it's very cool when you don't care. Regardless yeah. of like the, the person's character or whatever, mm-hmm. it is very cool when you don't care. If you're just like, I'm at a party, I don't care. I'm going to go read Edwards when like, or Edwards in mm-hmm. the history of the United States of America next to the pool. I so, think, okay. I think that sometimes that is the case. I think he comes off as super pretentious. Oh, yeah, for sure. But everyone, and maybe this is just a high school thing, but I think it works. And I think it works if you do it correctly. And I feel like there are examples of this. You know, you can you can do it in college because a college social circle is very similar to a high school social circle. But even like once you graduate and you get into the workplace, you can still kind of curate that, like. I don't know. I don't know. Like I think I think I think I think you're right. He is very pretentious in this movie. And like that's purposeful. First of all, his name's yeah. Kyle. Um first of all. <laughs> so um anyway, but yeah, like he just I think at moments it's cool. Like when he is at the coffee shop reading and she comes out and talks to him and he's like just smoking a cigarette. Uh like he comes off really like real smooth. Like whenever she oh, yeah. goes, her boss yells at her and is like, "I'm not paying you to flirt." And she goes, "I'm not flirting." And he goes, "We should have been." I wish if you would have been. Had, yeah. yeah, I wish you would have been. Man, if a guy had said that to me at 16 or 17, however old she is, I would have like swooned so hard. Like that would have. Yeah. Oof, I would. I would have been done. Yeah. I would have started dating him right then. Done skis. On skis, um, um, but yeah, the fir- there are other moments where he's like super pretentious, like yeah, like after they had sex, he was so pretentious. Yeah, no, no thoughts no. for her feelings at all. No, he goes, why does it? Why did you want it to be special? You're gonna have so much unspecial sex in your life. It's like, dude. Yeah. Oh, he's the worst. Anyway, that is true, you. but also not an excuse. It's yeah, it's it's true, but not an excuse. <laughs> two things can be true at the same time. <laughs> yes, two things can for sure be true at the same time. Do you? So he wasn't lying because whenever they were making out that first night, she said, "I'm not ready to have sex," and he said, "Me neither." And then they kept making out, and then and then she said, "Oh, there's a tanning bed here. Julie's gonna love this." And he goes, "Who's Julie?" <laughs> Who's Julie? And they're like still kissing. She um, does say she says I'm not ready to have sex, but then she also says I haven't had sex, and he follows that up with neither me neither or whatever. I feel like I and I meant to I really meant to check this before we started recording, but I'm pretty sure he said neither am I, mm. which would have been a response to I'm not ready. Sure, yeah. Instead of I haven't had. So anyway. Anyway. I'm not trying to defend him, but I was like, that's one of the only things in the movie where, where it's like a little bit of a puzzle where you're like, mm-hmm. wait, did he lie or was he just like, I don't know. So anyway. Um, this was a big starting point for him, Sorcerer Ronin, and Lucas Hedges. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, Brooklyn had come out. Um, 
I need to see what Brooklyn was nominated for. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. Have you? Yes, it is really good. Is it? Yes. Is it streaming? Really, really good. It's not. Um, She's in it. Domhnall Gleeson's in it. And, you know, I'm not really sure. I'm going to be able, I'm going to try to see if I can find if it was awarded anything. Because I knew I knew it was nominated for quite a bit. Yeah. But Maybe she in, was nominated. I don't know if she was nominated for Brooklyn. She was nominated for Atonement. And she was like 13 or something. Yes. Yeah. 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 So it was, was yeah, it was nominated. She was nominated. It was nominated for best adapted screenplay and best picture in 2016. Mm-hmm. So that brought her a ton of attention. Yeah. Um, but it was her, it was basically her, Timothy Chalamet, and Lucas Hedges and Beanie Feldstein were all yeah. like just huge. Um they they all I don't know if there's been another movie since this one that was so successful in launching like basically our generation of movie stars. Sure. Yeah. I was, I was like, no, Isaac, I can name like three movies off the top of my head. What are you talking about? But then I thought you were going to say like ever. And I was like, no, I ever you silly hands goose. down, hands down. Uh, of recent. Yeah. I think within the past, like probably 10 years. Yeah. I think that's probably true. Um, but yeah, she, I mean, and she's worked with all kinds, like, all kinds of directors she does love working with Greta Gerwig and has said that on multiple occasions um honestly I would love for them to be kind of like uh De Niro and Scorsese Mm -hmm. uh that would be tight that would be tight 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 yeah tight I saw a tweet um, one time that said uh, Wes Anderson and Greta Gerwig are going to have to have split custody of Greta, of Scherzer Ronin and Timothy Chalamet because they keep putting them in their movies. Yeah, seriously. I don't know. Well, so I know Sorsha was in French Dispatch, but I don't think she's going to be in either one of the, the his up. Well, hold on, let me a second. Asteroid City. Yeah, I don't think she's going to she's she's not going to be in Asteroid City or um, Barbie. Barbie. Yeah. As far as we know. Or, um, sorry. There's another Wes Anderson movie coming out this year. Did you know that? There's two? He's, it, it's, yeah. Apparently it's We're coming getting, out in like November or something. It's called... Two Wes Anderson movies this year? And guess who the lead is? I don't know who. Benedict Cumberbatch. Shut up. Yeah. It's called like The Wonder, The Extraordinary Henry Sugar or something like that. I don't know. It's based on a rule doll novel. Oh. Yeah. Honestly, Benedict Cumberbatch being in a Wes Anderson movie makes so much sense. It really does. It <laughs> it's makes, gonna be awesome. It makes so much sense. It's like, why has this not happened before now? But love you know that. what? Love you know film. what needs to happen in order to dismantle Marvel is the indie powerhouses like Greta Gerwig and Wes Anderson need to sign like Brie Larson and Benedict Cumberbatch to like multi-picture deals and create their own multiverse of like indie movies yeah. that like conflict with their Marvel contracts. I would love that. I saw how do you remember what it is? Mark Ruffalo is going to be in something that's not Marvel related for the first time in 15 Oh yeah, like years. he's in the Yorgos Lanthimos movie. Yes, that's, that's what coming it was. Out. Yeah, 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 with Emma Stone. I was like, you know what? Good for Mark. Like Yeah. Good honestly. on him. Like he's not going to have to play some 
really lame version of the Hulk, and I'm I'm just really excited for him. Yep. Did you watch She Hulk? You never did, right? I watched the first two episodes. They were fine. Like, I I yeah. think that they were pretty like true to the comic book, from what I understand. Um, but you don't, don't care about the comic book. I don't. Yeah. So, um, it's it worked as like a kind of a lawyer comedy show, I think. Yeah. But no better call Saul. Finished it. Oh yeah, it's no better call Saul. Oh, I've never seen that either. So. Yeah. I love the beginning of an episode of Better Call Saul. He spends like they spend five minutes with him going through a pawn shop looking for something to throw onto Howard Hamlin's car. <laughs> And he settles on a bowling ball. <laughs> so funny. Classic, yeah. Because you're like, know? where's this going? Like, he's just looking at random stuff in this pawn shop. And then, and then like, it cuts. And he's throwing the bowling ball <laughs> over Howard Hamlin's fence. And it, like, smashes into his windshield. <laughs> <sighs> it's so funny. Yeah. So, let's talk... Let's really talk about the the true love story in this, the relationship between Lady Bird and her mom, Marion. Let's do it. So, Isaac, you have several sisters. I do. So while you didn't necessarily have a, a mother-daughter relationship because you are a son and not a, a daughter, what was it like watching your sisters and your mom interact? Because I imagine that because... And I think I've met all of your sisters at this point. They all are, are pretty different and have very different personalities. Is that fair? Yeah. And so, like, yeah. what was it like to watch them interact with your mom? They, so I remember, you know, most of them were pretty, well, I think that the, I have one sister who was pretty compliant and pretty, um, she would just go along with how, you know, how, you know, the status quo and how things were in our house. But, you know, for the most part, yeah, my sisters clashed with my mom a lot more than I did. And I feel like even my brothers were a lot more agreeable, just like with both my parents. Um, but yeah, this th it's also it's also really interesting looking at you know this family in Ladybird is not religious, mm -hmm. and so it, it it informs this sort of like just very different culture and very mm -hmm. different you know like respect look different in that the kids would in my family had to respect and honor my parents by like never disagreeing mm -hmm. and never, you know, and my parents were like abusive or dictatorial or um, they're really good parents, but it was like, you couldn't talk back even if it was like, Hey, no, that's not fair because you're glossing over this thing that I did and you're not giving me credit for the, it's like, you're always wrong. Mm -hmm. And that was a lot harder on my sisters because my mom had specific expectations for them as women. Um, whereas I was just like a suck up and I was like, yep, I'm good. I did it. Are we good? Okay. I'm going to go 
I just don't want to be in trouble. That's like how I was mm. um, in high school. But I definitely had my my uh, one of my younger sisters definitely has slash had a ladybird esque relationship <laughs> with my mom, and it's really funny to think about because there were definitely shouting matches and yeah. that kind of thing. So yeah, um, so this this was an interesting movie to watch with my mom not because like ladybird and i are similar by any means i think that we could not be more different uh, mm-hmm. i think if i am like any character in this movie it's at least as like yeah just in general i think i'm probably closest to julie who's just kind of like there and she's just kind of like like wants to be friends with just wants to hang out with her best friend um yeah. I, the whole, like, I'm going to give myself a different name because I want a different name. Uh, what? No, that doesn't. Yeah. So I was very agreeable as a kid as well. And I think I still am. Uh, that just looks a little different now. Uh, yeah, for and, sure. And so it was just, it was just so interesting because this was not at all what my relationship with my mom was like. And I think something that Greta Gerwig said in that podcast that you referenced earlier was like, it's kind of like the, just the essence of the relationship between the mom and the daughter. I think like everyone can relate to that. And I think that's what makes this movie so wonderful is like, you don't have to be in a mother daughter relationship or even have a similar relationship as Lady Bird and Marion to relate to this and Mm -hmm. to understand like, these two people deeply care for each other and have a lot of, um, I think Spike Jones said there's like a lot of empathy. They just don't know how to like meet in the middle. Yep. Um, and that's like, it, you know, I didn't get emotional watching this just because it is, it is from, f- from a female perspective. Um, but I still, I still think this is a perfect movie. The, the final sequence where you see Marion and she's like, I can't, we can't park here. Parking's too expensive. And she's yeah. like, just not looking at her. And yeah. then she drives away and the camera just holds on her face and you see her go through all of it. And then she just breaks down. She pulls back around and then she just like, is a crying and she runs in. She's too late because the dad's already taken her to security. Um, is, the mo- it's it's like it is it's it's cinema in the sense that like exactly what you said you don't have to have had experience it all you have to be able to do is understand that's that someone can feel that way yeah and and then vicariously you are feeling that way right um yeah it's 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 perfect it's it, yeah. it really is like i don't there are funny there are hilarious moments in this movie i want to hit before we wrap up but there. Yeah, we already said it's like it's like a perfect screenplay. Yeah, no, it is. And and the scene where yeah, just I I mean, I think I could talk about their relationship. Because there there's so many times where they're like arguing and then all of a sudden they're like agreeable on something. Like I I think Mm -hmm. I mentioned to you before we started filming or recording, is uh the scene where they're trying to find a dress for her to go to Danny's family's Thanksgiving and they're arguing and going back and forth. And then her, Mary 
Marion holds up the dress and, she, and Lady Bird goes, oh my gosh, this is so great. This is perfect. I know. I love and it. Yeah. I love it. Wow. Yeah. 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 Um, it's like, man, there have been times, my mom and I never really fought, but there have been times where it's like, man, that's like, that yep. feels <laughs> so, that hit home for some reason. Like, I don't even think we ever had a fight where we were like fighting and then all of a sudden we were like agreeing on a dress, you know, it was just like, that hit really home for me. Um, and another really touching moment is whenever they're prom dress shopping and Lady Bird asks her mom if she likes her. And she says, you know, of course I, I love you. you. Yeah, yeah, of course I love you. And she goes, yeah, but do you like me? And I think that that's something that a lot of people wonder about, like with their relationship with their parents is like, yeah, okay, you love me because you have to by default. Like, you have to love me. Um, and, and, the, and like, most parents are do. Yeah. Do love. Like, right. not just by default, but also, like, like, like it is, it is by default, but it's also, like, you know, it may be infuriating or, like, whatever. But Right. Yeah. yeah like, like, it's this deep love that, like, you, you don't experience unless you become a parent. Uh, and so, so I say that as someone who's not a parent, but as, you know, talking with you and Jess and like all my other friends who have become parents in the past few years, like, it's just not something that you understand until you are one. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and so like with this, I think when you are a child who is just constantly in conflict with your parent, it's like, do they even like, do they love me? Do they even like me? And I, I think that's just such a wonderful question to to ask. And it it really, I think, showed kind of their point of contention, at, especially then. And mm -hmm. the very end, we talked about this already, just like the final scene. And like the way that this is written is, is beautiful. And the way it's shot is like talking about driving. She calls her mom and she's leaving a voicemail because she didn't pick up. And I remember, I don't know about you, but when I watched this with my mom, we were talking about it afterwards, and she goes, I just was hoping her mom was going to pick up. Mm -hmm. Just like praying and hoping her mom was going to pick up. So then there'd be that like feeling of resolution, you know, yeah. that we don't actually get. Um, but the way that that film, that scene is shot is she's driving, talking about driving through Sacramento and it shows her mom and it cuts to her mom doing the same things and talking mm -hmm. about how similar they are. Like it just shows like how similar they are and how deeply they care about the place they come from. Um, which I think also shows how much they care about each other because mm -hmm. really they're home for each other. Yep. Yeah. So. That's what, like, that's what I love about, you know, when she, when she had the idea to make this movie, Greta Gerwig wrote the scene where Lady Bird's at college <clears throat> and someone asked, where are you from? And she said, Sacramento. And they said, what? I didn't catch that. And she said, I'm from San Francisco mm -hmm. and kind of starting with this sort of like throwing her hometown under the bus right at the beginning to these people she doesn't even know. And then working backwards. Mm -hmm. And like, that's how she wrote it. She was like, well, I want the audience to know these people that she's kind of just like casting aside. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's, 
it's such a crazy it is an insane ending to a movie on paper oh yeah if you think about it but like it works so well at the end of the this movie because you know i paused it i wasn't able to finish it last night and so there's 15 minutes left and it started when she was at the coffee shop and she gave someone a coffee and she's kind of like wrapping up her time Mm -hmm. after high school and to graduation and all that and i was like there's 15 minutes left i thought a lot happens and like a lot happens, but it's like very economical. Yeah. And then you have you have the scene where she gets drunk and taken to the emergency room and then just wakes up. Yeah. And then she like looks over and there's a kid with their mom. Mm-hmm. And then she just walks out of the hospital and she's like, What day is it? And this guy's like, It's Sunday. That guy also was in air. He's like the shoe designer, apparently. Oh. I forget his name. Um but I was like, oh, that's that guy. So he, he has a very like, that's that guy sort of okay. face. And then and she goes into the church and she's just like feeling guilty and confused. And, and then she's like, my mom is my anchor. Yeah. And, and, and her dad, which is really like, I love the relationship that she has with Tracy Letts. Tracy Letts is my favorite in this movie because of all these little things little moments that he has and he's so sweet dad yeah yeah he's so sweet and i think like both marion and larry as parents are like they're actually really good parents and they care deeply about their kids and and there's a moment between ladybird and shelly who is miguel's girlfriend where shelly talks about how 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 kind her mom is like Marion is because she took her in after her parents kicked her out and you see these moments and that that podcast that we we've both mentioned um Greta talks about how there's these moments that we as the audience get to see but the other characters don't get to see and so we we see how Marion cares deeply about other people and how empathetic she is towards other people and Mm. and and her co-workers and people she interacts with right and Lady Bird doesn't get to see that because we don't get to see our parents at work. We don't get to see our significant others. We don't get to see our friends at work. Unless we work with them, we don't get to see it. And, and it's just interesting how we, I don't know. I just think I, whenever she said that in that, when I was listening to that episode of that podcast, I was like, oh, I wonder what my parents are like at work. Mm-hmm. And then I was like thinking about who everyone in my life, like, what are they like at work? Cause like, in my mind, I'm not that different at work than I am at home. Like, I mean, in some ways I am, but like with my coworkers, I'm myself, I think. But then I'm like, well, maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm I'm different in some ways. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it was just very yeah. self-reflective moment. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. My my Letts, favorite uh, Tracy Letts moment is when they have that like huge blow up argument. And he's mm-hmm. playing solitaire. <laughs> and Marion goes, what are you doing? And he goes, nothing. <laughs> he, like closes, he closes out the browser. And then and then Marion, and I love, it's just one of those things where it's like, this is how every marriage is, at least at some point, where it's like, if you're trying to make a kid feel bad for their behavior, you, like weaponize your spouse's effort as mm-hmm. like like try to make your kid feel bad she goes your your father cannot find a job and he's just like sitting at the computer <laughs> poised like he wants to leave 
but yeah. he's afraid to. <laughs> it's so tense and relatable and like funny. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's also just, subtle like, too. Up. Yeah, yeah, very, it's, very subtle. Yeah, I, I think that's like kind of the be- one of the the things that's so beautiful about this movie is like everything is so subtle. Like nothing feels really forced or mm-hmm. like anything like that but like you pay attention to these like little things like that like that moment where tracy lets is like oh you can clearly tell he wants to to leave but also he knows he can't leave because that's going to create an argument between him and marion later and and then like that's probably my favorite scene in the movie because the next thing that marion does is she's like you think your dad doesn't feel hurt when you ask him to drop you a block away mm-hmm. and and he's still in that position kind of like okay i'm getting up to leave but i kind of am afraid to because mm-hmm. i feel like my wife will shout at me and he's still in that position and then he just kind of like says yeah and like it's like oh my gosh like that's such a dagger yeah yeah no yeah. it is because well, it's like you know that larry has all these feelings about why Ladybird makes him drop her off so far away from school. Mm-hmm. But because of the tension between Ladybird and Marion, he's he's not trying to add to it because he he knows they both because he's getting both sides of it. And he yeah. knows that they both feel bad enough. And so of course him like that being brought up is like, oh no, this is gonna make mm-hmm. feel worse. make both of them feel worse. And it did. Yeah. I got one question for you. Um, is it nice to make things neat and clean? That's Marion's philosophy right at the beginning of the movie when she makes the bed and she says, you don't even need to make the bed. They do that. And she said, it's nice to make things neat and clean. Uh, I am a clean freak. So yes, I don't think everything has to be perfect every time, like all the time, but I think keeping a tidy space and like taking care of the things that are around you is is good but also when i was a senior in high school i never made my bed i didn't start making my bed until i was in college so i think you also have to like realize who you're talking to in that moment yep um but also like i think marion talks about at one point uh it was a similar conversation because they were fighting about the way Ladybird left her school uniform out, just like out to get wrinkled. And she's like, we have to take care of things. And Ladybird has that that line of Did did you ever Didn't you want... ever go to sleep yeah. without your everything being put away perfectly? Yeah, without getting yelled at by without your mom. Your mom goes, like, yeah. Yeah. And she goes, My mom was an abusive alcoholic. And, and so that that right there was like just a small enough nugget that was like, oh no, that was, you probably didn't have a good childhood. But like for me, like knowing, working with people who have, working with people and knowing people who have had abusive alcoholic mothers, everything that Marion does is an attempt to have some sort of sense of control and mm-hmm. to feel safe. That's ultimately what it is, is to feel safe. Yeah. Um, so if things are nice and tidy, she feels safe. And mm-hmm. because Ladybird is not nice and tidy and doesn't fit into this little box, that I mean, it's chaos. And that's, I think, one of the reasons why they have so much tension is because Marion doesn't know how to, like, like have control in that relationship. 
I don't think Lori, I don't think Lori Metcalf was nominated for best actress for this year, but this is, I, I think, I think she has the best performance in the movie. It's it, yeah. Like you, like you said, it's, she is playing it. She's playing it perfectly. This oh, sort yeah. of, and, and she does it again whenever Ladybird uses two towels and she says, <laughs> you're using two towels seriously. Like, mm-hmm. and, and then she says, this is very important because then this means I need to start a load before I go to work. This like completely changes my day. Yeah. It's so yeah. funny. Lori Metcalf is like truly a rock star of an actor. And, and I think like she's pretty uh, underappreciated, but in this role, she really knocks it out of the park. And Greta Gerwig said that she uh, knew Lori from her stage work. Lori and, and Tracy Letts both had, have had um, a large portion of their career was was on the stage. Tracy Letts, I didn't know this until I started looking into this a little more. Tracy Letts is also... She was... Sorry to interrupt. Lori Metcalf was nominated for Lady Bird. That was oh, awesome. Good. Yeah, good. that was a great, great performance. Yeah. Um, no, you're good. He wrote uh, August Osage County, mm-hmm. which... Have you ever seen that? Yeah, I don't remember why I watched that, but I, that's, you know, that's a total flyover movie, and I'm like, man, I really don't want to watch that I don't again. want us to cover it. Like, it's so tried and true flyover yeah but it is such a bummer i think it could be funny i could see walter hating it and then us having like a really really funny episode over it you know watching that movie hit way too close to home because my brother had watched it before me and he was like uh this is our family and i was like oh no. no 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 and then i watched it senior year of college with bailey who is my roommate who was a she graduated with a film degree and so she was watching it for class and so i watched it with her and i was like oh no oh no anyway but greta gerwig said that tracy letts is her favorite um screenwriter no not screenwriter uh playwright that's what i was looking for playwright yeah yeah. playwright have you seen ford vs ferrari no He's like a General Motors um, or, or no, no, he's like a Ford executive. Mm-hmm. And there's an incredible scene where Matt Damon takes him on a drive and he's actually driving like 150 to 200 miles an hour. And Tracy lets is in the car and he starts crying at the end of the car. <laughs> it's so oh good. Here's the thing about Ford versus Ferrari. I have such little interest in watching that, but everyone has told me it's such a great movie. Here's the thing. I I do not care about cars. Mm-hmm. I think car do you know that um the United States is the is like one of the worst you no know, it is the the worst developed country in terms of like traffic deaths. Uh no, but that's like, not surprising. Yeah, and so it's one of those things where it's like everyone we know has been in a car accident or we've known someone who dies in a car mm-hmm. accident. Our cities are not planned to be safer. Um, and if people try to make them safer, then there's a sort of like, well, 
this sort of kickback of you're you're trying to make us like the left coast and make us liberal and it's like no we're trying to make it safer it's like there's it's just very very politicized and it's Mm -hmm. strange so like i have a hate driving i wish i could i wish we only had to have one car out of necessity um board versus ferrari rules and it, cars are so I like how cool you got in that, that movie. Up just to say that that movie rules. It is. I have so many mixed feelings about cars. I hate cars. I wish I could sell my car. And I watched that movie. And I'm like, I want to go 300 miles an hour on the interstate. I want to go right fast. Cargo fast. Cargo fast. Ford versus Ferrari. <laughs> I got sweaty watching that movie in the theaters because I was so thrilled. I was like, oh my wow. gosh, this is the coolest thing. So. Anyway. Anyway. Great also, movie. Tracy Lutz is from Oklahoma. I saw that. Yeah. 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 He was Our flyover from Tulsa guy. and raised in Durant. So. He, um, he also had a great, um, great scene where he comes out of his job interview. Oh, man. Where, that moment. Yeah, that was rough. He's like, I got my master's. And they're like, what do we do now? And he's like, you could uh, let me know what you think or whatever and then he's walking out and miguel comes their their adopted son and he's going into interview for the same job and it's just a really sad moment because he is so sweet to him and he was like go get him and then you find out that Mm -hmm. miguel got the job and it's like it's really good so yeah but also it's so sweet because like you know he he wants the job but you know he wants miguel to get the job more than he wants it yeah and it's he's he's such a good dad. Oh, he's such a good. He might dad. be my favorite movie dad. Now that I'm thinking about it. Honestly, yeah, yeah. Oh man. Very giving, very sacrificial. Yeah. Um. Do you want to hit like greatest moments of the movie before we do our score? Okay, greatest moments of the movie. Um, I I'll s- go ahead. You um, start. Unless you, start. you had one, um, no, I, I was gonna start. I was start... gonna start talking and see what where my sentence went. Gotcha. <laughs> Um, it's funny because I have a note that says Tracy Letts with a heart next to it. <laughs> um, I respect you too much to touch your <laughs> <laughs> Did you? Okay, oh. the first time you saw it, did you see it coming that he was gay? No, I didn't. I was just because like, I just thought oh, he was like an awkward, gangly just- guy. He's awkward because Lucas Hedges is an awkward looking guy. Yeah. Like, so I was like, oh, he's just awkward. That Catholic guilt is there. So that's probably what's happening. And then, and then the scene where she goes into the men's restroom and sees him making out with the other guy, it's like, oh, that makes more sense now why he said that. That was the next moment. Yeah. Um, when they, they cuts to them, they're walking out, and then it cuts to her and Julie. In the car listening to Crash Into You. <laughs> I'm pretty sure my mom and I both laughed out loud when that when it cut to them. And they're just the kind of like really quietly like mouthing, singing yeah. the words together. It's so good. Um oh yeah, and then she's talking to Julie before she finds out that she's that he's gay. And it cuts it cuts to them and she she knew that Julie had to go do something and she was going to take the math teacher's 
spelling book and throw it away so that she could like lie and say that she got a better grade which she succeeds in and honestly it probably helped her get into columbia it probably Um, did but it cuts to her and the first thing she says to julia in that scene is it's normal not to touch a penis yeah (laughs) and then and then julie goes and then Julie like just looks at her like this and then goes, Oh, I gotta go. And then she leaves. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, that's a good one. Um I I this is only gonna be funny to you and me, I think. Uh-huh. But whenever Danny comes over to pick up Ladybird for Thanksgiving and they are like all kind of laughing, and Shelly says Shelly, but you don't hear her say it really at all. And Danny goes, I'm sorry, what? That scene reminded me of the scene in Scott Pilgrim whenever she, like, he throws the the jacket on the ground and Knives asks, uh, what is the drummer's name? Uh, Kim. Kim, yeah, Kim So you play drums? Yeah, Kim says her name and she goes, I'm sorry, what? What was your name? That's what it reminded me of. Anyway. But um, the JV football coach subbing in as the drama teacher. So funny, and he was hilarious. His best. He was trying his best. And it was cool because, like, he delegated. He said, "I I had um, Miss So and So knows your knows you guys, and she assigned the roles. And then, and he had like the physical geography layout of like, Mm -hmm. okay, you guys are here, and then you." Let's up onto the stage and he like and yells. Then, and then it's you come in. So funny. The 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 wide line that's singing, that is singing. We're singing here. We're singing, we're singing here. We're singing. We're singing. And then you rush the stage. And then, you, the stage. And then you rush the stage. You're not singing yet. You're not singing yet. And then you rush in. It's so funny. Um the money success conversation was really, really good. Like you don't have to oh. have money to be happy. Yeah. And then she's like but he's not happy because we don't have money and that it's just, it's mm-hmm. circular and it's really, really well performed and kind of gut wrenching. This, this is actually a really sad line, but it's also funny. Um, the scene where they're in the parking lot and he, Timothy Chalamet goes, what you did is very baller, very anarchist. And then she was, says something about killing his family. And then he goes, yeah, I'll, I'll kill your, I'll F and kill your dad. I'll, yeah, your family. And and he goes, I didn't notice. I had never heard this line until last night when I wa- or Monday night when I rewatched it. He goes, "My dad has cancer, so I guess God is doing that for us." Yeah, like, she's like, "Oh." <laughs> it was so he, funny. That's all the little moments in this movie, like like you were talking about, um, getting to see Marion at work and give that mm-hmm. gift to her coworker who just had a baby, and. And then, and then her meeting with uh, Father Leviach, yeah. um, or, or Brother Leviach, or whatever, and he says, he's just talking about the, the struggles he's going through. Stephen McKinley Henderson, amazing. Goat. Goat. When he shows up um, in a movie, you know it's good. You know it's goat, yeah. And, and, and another, another moment like that, too, is, um, is, that, exact, is that exact scene. Mm-hmm. It's like it's just a little it's a little thing and that's all you need to to see in order to know. Like yeah. 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 Uh that they're 
like good people and a good person. It's like, I don't know. You're just trying to, we're all just trying our best. Oh yeah. yeah. When she walks down the stairs and she sees Kyle's dad, like asleep. Yeah. Yeah. It's like such a harrowing little scene that immediately cuts to her going and talking to her mom. But um, big question I have for you. Did Olivia Wilde, like, is book smart? I mean, I, people were making Ladybird comparisons to book smart or vice versa. But it's crazy because, like, book smart is almost as good as Ladybird. It is a very, very well done movie. But did book smart happen because of Ladybird? What do you think? Ooh, that's a good question i think because that's beanie's first really like leading role is book smart and i don't know hold on let me see what else she's in before so before ladybird really the only thing she was in besides that was neighbors two and then mm-hmm. Booksmart, it was Ladybird and then Booksmart right after that. And and I, I really think like Booksmart probably would have it wouldn't have happened in the way that it did if Ladybird hadn't happened. Yeah, probably. One, because it was just like even though Beanie is is such a minor character in Ladybird, like Julie's not in it very often. But she has some really great moments. Like, uh, you see her kind of pining after the the not the coach the 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 teacher the math teacher, and she's got this little schoolgirl crush, and it's like it's cute and it's harmless. Um, and you see these these little moments that again, Lady Bird doesn't see because she's in her own world and focused on herself. But the audience sees Beanie as Julie have these little moments and and but then she says she has a really funny line that's actually pretty i think pretty popular and she goes it's the titular role yeah and yeah for the tempest (laughs) um and and people use that that i don't even think people realize what movie that's from most of the time but Mm -hmm. it's just the way she says it is so funny and the way she like emphasizes that it, it's so good that honestly i think on that basis alone is probably what got her into book smart mm-hmm. so they're they're so i would have never compared them outside of the fact that they're both directed by women and are female-led movies mm-hmm. but i get and, I they, and they have they have like very different tones you're yeah. right yeah. But I just wonder because like Olivia Wilde, I was like, I'd seen Olivia Wilde in movies and I kind of thought this is pretty cool because she's kind of go just going in a completely different direction because the movies that she had starred in weren't that good. And it was just really cool seeing Booksmart and and realizing this she has really good taste. And she's mm-hmm. she made something that is very, very good. And then the jury's still out because of don't worry, darling. But I don't think that like, I mean, she wrote book smart too. So it's like, she can write stuff. It's just kind of a weird thing. Like, you know, I'm not sure whether or not she's comparing them is interesting because Olivia Wilde, you can kind of think, well, maybe the success of book smart 
you know, got to her and, you know, that's why she, why, uh, you know, the production and uh, all this writing that went into Don't Worry Darling wasn't as, made it not as successful. And, you know, Greta Gerwig had a really successful second feature with Limit, Little Little Women. I don't know. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just one of those things that I, I was like, these are very similar and kind of like similar circumstances and context and sure. settings and stuff. I think for me, like, They both, Booksmart is such a comedy, and then going, and not to say that you can't do this, because, like, I I think people have and have done it well, but, like, she went from such a comedy-esque movie to such a, what should have been a really serious movie, and it wasn't, Mm -hmm. but it was, you know, whereas, like, Lady Bird to Little Women, like, Lady Bird, while it has its comedic moments, is more of a dramedy i would say yeah. and and i don't even like necessarily saying it's a comedy because like i don't think it's i would be like you know what's a good comedy ladybird you yeah. know but it, it's it's way more serious than book smart and then little women i think has more similar tones if that make, does it make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like there's hilarious moments in Little Women, but it, by yeah. and large, it is, it is more about like, and yeah, and that's and that's I think where she and Olivia Wilde differ, which is which is okay. And like I'm not you know pitting them against each other in a heartless way, but it's just like they were very close together, sure. um, just in terms of when they were produced and released. So um, I just think it's interesting, and I love yeah. Booksmart. I think like. I love oh, Booksmart man. almost as much as Lady Bird. So yeah, me too. Me too. And, and um, man, Booksmart is genuinely like probably one of my favorite movies. Yeah. Um, Future Flower movie. Yeah, I've thought about it, but then I'm like, I just don't know if I can justify it as a true flyover movie. Um, that's I mean, a conversation it's a for another day. School. Yeah, school is the big it's thing. Definitely a coming of age, but um, anyway, yeah, I just I feel like. I don't know. I don't want to rule Olivia Wilde out as a director. Just no. I, I I like yeah yeah. I agree. Because not every movie is going to be this like fantastic masterpiece. And also, there were so many other things going on with. I don't think I I don't think the directing was the issue in. Don't worry, darling. I agree. I think I think it was a script issue. Uh, yeah, I think it was a script issue. Um, whereas like directing and scripts for Greta Gerwig have been really great. So, Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, um, a couple more whenever they have sex and she says, (laughs) she says, we deflowered ourselves. We have each other's flowers. And he just looks at her. so funny so funny Uh, here's the deal that's the only time where it's like yeah okay you can be a little pretentious because that's such a gross and annoying thing to say yep um Um, remember when coffee used to be three dollars oh my gosh i had that same thought yep yep (laughs) three dollars for a coffee yeah and it's probably like that's probably like a cappuccino or something with espresso that they were pricing up um 
your brother saw someone get knifed in front of him at school. <laughs> That's mentioned like four times throughout the movie. It's funny every single time. It's funny every single time. Because every single time Lady Bird is like, he barely saw it. It didn't yep. happen in front of him. Yep. Yeah. Um, the, the movie ends with a thank you. Damn right. Moms deserve a thank you oh, at the man. end of every movie. At the end of every movie. Even if it's yeah. three days of the condor. I don't care. Um, I think this is one of the greatest ends to a movie ever. Um, I said that at the top. Also, this is kind of a segue into our uh, point system. Circling the parking lot or at a, at an airport is the most relatable thing. Every oh single person in the world has done that at some point, unless you're Kendall Roy. <laughs> um, so, yeah. 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 No, because it's like, it's too And it's not like ever represented. Like, like Lady Bird no. is the first movie I can think of where I'm like, this is where they, they actually like showed it on, on camera. Like, yeah. You are, you go and I'll circle because I don't want to pay for parking. And, you know, so. Because parking is ridiculous at an airport. And I guess it was yep. still ridiculous in 2002. Yep. So. But also, it's like an airport is a weird place and you don't want to be there too long. Right. I, I do feel that way about airports unless I'm like flying somewhere. So. Yeah. Well, and then sometimes you're stuck there for hours. Yep. Um, But yeah, also, I think I think it's hard for us to like imagine going to an airport and not just be like dropping someone off or going on our own flight like I, I don't know i think it's so funny watching older shows or, or movies whenever they like they just go right up to the gate and i'm like i can't believe they used to do that all the time yeah it's wild to me um and so i don't know i don't know how many people were like let's just go hang out at the airport but I don't know. Not I after 9-11, that's for sure. Not after 9-11. Um, so, oh, man, this movie is truly one of my favorite movies, and it has one of the greatest endings. One of the most devastating endings, but also in a good way. Yep. I have you, I, and I'm not, I'm not expecting you to have seen it. Did you see my review to this movie? No, because I, I got caught up with work. Work has been insane recently, and I totally forgot to actually log this again, you know, like after yeah. I rewatched it. So so, so guess what like, I had it at? I had it ranked at a three and a half stars. You silly goose. Guess what I'm bumping it up to now? Four and a half? No, five. It's a perfect movie. Are you doing movie. a five? Yeah, it's a perfect nice. movie. Um... I have it at four and a half. I think I might bump it up to a five after we've talked about it more. Anyway, but I made a couple of my friends watch this movie at the very end of last year. And afterwards, I was like, all right, what'd you guys think? And and one of them goes, I feel like I need to go to therapy now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It was so funny I, whenever they said it's, that. It's funny because like it is not emotionally devastating for me. Um but it is it is like there there are some things that you know i feel like if i watched this with my sister that i mentioned earlier mm -hmm. um i she may have a a reaction 
like that yeah. you know like oh whole i cannot i can't deal with this because of how yeah. how it makes her feel about her relationship with my mom um but there was i'm looking really quick because there was another movie where i was that we covered for the pod and i said why did i rank this so low this is a perfect movie and i can't remember what it well, while you're doing that I'm going to hit on like another thing of just like the mother daughter relationships just really fast again, fascinating for so many reasons, but Marion and Larry, but specifically Marion wants so badly for lady bird to have a better childhood and like just overall life experience than what she's had. And mm-hmm. I think that that is so true of like everyone's parents like, I think about that with, like, my own parents and how they, like, how they were raised and what their childhoods were like and what their experience was like um, and how they have always tried to set my brother and me up for for better. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and then you see Lady Bird just be super ungrateful the whole time. Yeah. And something Greta Gerwig said was, you know, she she's so busy looking up and like comparing herself to other people who are in quote unquote better life like lives um or socioeconomic status than her that she can't even see like what's what she's got in front of her and be grateful for that because then she Greta Gerwig also mentions you know Julie is an only child single mom um it sounds like mom kind of has had several boyfriends throughout the course of Julie's life. And so, um, but because Lady Bird is so self-absorbed and can't see past that, all she sees is like all these rich kids and their lives are better. But mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I just think it's, I think it's, it's the thing that I think all parents want for their kids is to have a better life than what they had. Mm-hmm. Even if they had a good one, like they still want more opportunities and things for their kids. Yeah. And the financial, like, you know, hardship aspect of that movie is so, you know, I feel I, that kind of gave me a little bit more kind of anxiety than other aspects of the movie, simply because like that's what I worry about all the time now, like sure. now that I have a child. Um, and, you know, Greta Gerwig said this in her interview with, Spike Jones, that 2002 was that time where like it was before Lee kind of leading up to the depression and but also like the culture was changing and all this stuff and like you know the way that people provided for the families was just like changing and it was mm-hmm. it was very uncertain and like her dad was a programmer and he was re- he's really skilled and he couldn't find a job and mm-hmm. her brother and his girlfriend couldn't find a job and they went to college so it was like nothing is guaranteed and they're trying to tell her that and she like doesn't care so yeah which i think that that even though this movie is set you know 20 years ago it's still really relevant to today you know just it feels kind of like the bottom is falling out from underneath us our jobs guaranteed no nope not in this economy and things are expensive and for most people most people are living paycheck to paycheck and you know it's 
it's rough out here in these streets. Yeah, exactly. Um, you wanna do our our points? Yeah, let's do our points. All right. Okay, so this is the final new thing that we're implementing. Every episode we're gonna do flyover film points, I guess. We'll come up with a better name for it. But basically there are let's see thirty-three criteria and if um the movie that we're covering hits those criteria we will give it a point and they're just like relatable things so um let's switch off like i'll do one and then you do the next and i'll i'll be the one kind of keeping the tally whether or not they get the point does that sound good sounds great okay disheveled and or realistic homes or interiors i feel like this gets a point because the interior of the mcpherson home is extremely realistic and relatable oh yeah yeah for sure yeah uh all right number two fast food or diners they are in a diner after the the play yes and they're like throwing french fries at each i felt so bad for those apparently that is like spot on what theater kids do after after a show wraps which is like <laughs> that's hilarious but also i can't imagine being the workers at yeah. that diner are the number three are the characters dirty no and this is more like you know sp- very specific southern movies and right. like midwestern you know yeah. this this would apply to true grit because they're like filthy throughout all those right yeah that entire movie so no point all there right. no point there boring conversations to pass the time Everything know. is like meaningful and meaningless in terms of like yeah. what she and Julie talk about. So I feel like this could go either way. What do you think? I, feel like... I I would go. I would say yes, just because yeah, it's like they I would talk too. about mundane things that like don't matter. I mean, like it's okay. It's it's normal not to touch a penis. Yeah. <laughs> um. And so yeah, so I'd say yes. Like it's okay. Boring. Trash talking coworkers, friends, neighbors, or family member. Yeah, I think. Yeah, so. because because I mean, like the mom. That's yeah. that's definitely it. So. Um, also, on that note, I think something that's so interesting about this is like the duality of Lady Bird's feelings about her mom. Like she'll she's the one who gets to say whatever she wants about her mom, but as uh-huh. soon as anyone else is like, "Your mom's cold," and she's like, "No, no, no, no." no. Yeah, because Lucas Hedges' character says yeah. that. Yeah. She just has a big heart. <laughs> yeah, she has a big heart. She cares about me. So, anyway. Uh, Arguments slash shouting matches. Yes. So many. Yes. Um, are there... How many are there? Oh, I don't know. I th- There's the one in the car at the beginning where she jumps <laughs> out of the car. How have we not talked about that scene? <laughs> and Laurie Metcalf's like... Ah! Ah! <laughs> Yeah, that's so funny. And it just cuts and she's in the cast the rest of the movie. She's in the cast. There's that one. There's the uh, give me a number. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's that I one. Feel like th- I feel like it's two. Well, there's the one where they're arguing it, shopping for the dress. Yeah. I'd, I'd say there's at least three or four. Let's go with three. Yeah. Okay. That's right. Corn, rice, soybeans, or other major crops slash fields? I don't think so. No. Yeah. I think uh, there's, maybe there's like an like a orange grove that we missed, but I don't think it's prominently featured. So 
All right, manual labor. Coffee, like creating a cappuccino does not count, I feel like. Is that mean? That's not manual labor. I'm thinking more like you're out in the field or you're working with steel or, or that kind of or something thing. like that. Yeah, that's yeah. what I would say too. Yep. Um, if there's AC, it's not yeah. manual labor. You're not Fishing kidding. boats or wildlife, water life. Nope. Um, right? No, no fishing boats, but like you see, they go over rivers a couple of times. Yeah. As they're driving. The bridge, well, yeah, we'll give it to him with the bridge. Because that bridge is pretty important. Yeah. Um, is there a gorgeous shot of a sunrise or sunset? Yes. Next one. Oh, sorry. Um, oh, we switched. My bad. Uh, are nature woods or forests a main character? No. No. Right? No. I would no. say they know. I don't think any of that has to do with anything in this movie. Yeah. Is there an acoustic guitar? No. Not an acoustic guitar, but... There's an electric guitar. There's an electric guitar. That's different, though. It's different. No All cigar. Right. Do teenagers do something stupid? Yes. Yes. So many times. So many times. Jumping out of a car right at the beginning of the movie. Like five seconds into this movie. Is um... there a shot of a car driving on a dusty road? I feel like that first car scene is oh, kind of like that it's kind of but it's not it's not like immediately what you would think of but i feel like it's pretty close you you can give it a point if you want to that's fine i feel like it's not quite okay we'll skip it mustaches um does anyone have a mustache in this movie uh tracy Lutt's beard is pretty pretty nifty but it's a full beard nice, yeah so i don't think there's any Mustache. It's not even like a bad like. Does Miguel have mustache. a mustache? No, it's clean shaven. Yeah, he's clean shaven. Okay, yeah. no mustaches. Bad right. parents. Nope. Uh, Only... no, that's not true because the what's the girl? Oh yeah, Jenna's parents. Jenna's parents. Were they don't like, care if you drink. Yeah, oh my gosh. Jenna was yeah. like, yeah, my parents. They don't care if you drink, and it's like, oh my, they are at this house with you as you are <laughs> listening to Justin Timberlake's Crimey River very loudly and all these drunk teenagers bad parents I did real quick on Jenna we didn't talk about her I did think it was interesting that she said I like Sacramento I want to live here and be a mom I thought that was like cool because she's like not the smartest person but also like this is what I want and yeah. I like it here and I thought that was like kind of sweet so yeah well and i think that shows like i think if someone had said that to me in high school like if someone was like i want to live in fort smith and raise my family here i would be like why but also like if that's what you want and that's gonna make you happy go for it like i can say that now as as a fully grown adult but like you know 10 years ago i would have been able to say that because um like lady bird i was very much obsessed with myself yep so um I just I wish I lived through something. <laughs> How are the accents in this movie? Sorcerer Ronan famously not an American. Her American accent is really good. It's really good. I think no bad accents. No bad accents. Good accents. Only good accents. Only good accents. Because I for, her American accent is so good that I forget she's Irish until I hear yeah. her speak. And I was like, what is that? Because I watched, I watched a couple interviews with her 
as well. And I was like, what is this boy? And I was like, oh yeah, she's Irish. She's very Irish. Mm-hmm. In Brooklyn, she's like full on uh, utilizing her Irish accent. Oh, really? So, yeah. Oh, cool. Um, addiction. No addiction in this movie. Yeah, no. There was no addiction in this movie. Light beer. Uh, light beer. Do we I see any? Or is it just about... hard liquor? I think at one point, maybe at a party, they talk about beer, but I don't know if. I say no point because it was not yeah, yeah. significant enough. Uh, no. Misogyny? What about the abortion scene? I was kind that, of steering away from it. One of the funniest slash cringiest <laughs> parts in the movie. <laughs> I feel like it's not overt quite enough. No, yeah, no, because Kyle like, is. Kyle is like straight like up a massage. Kyle is. Yeah. Kyle, I think if Kyle is a real person today, 20 something years later, he would be in his late 30s. He would probably be an alt right conspiracy theorist. Because he, he makes the comment about. But he's like, anti war. That's what's, that's what's interesting. I feel like he would be like very libertarian. If he would, if he Probably. was, I don't know, maybe like right libertarian, yeah, but he was maybe. very anti-war. So I don't know. It was, yeah, he wouldn't, he wouldn't be like a Elon Musk worshiper. You know what I mean? No, because he says that he makes the comment of like, uh, cell phones are tracking devices and soon enough yeah. they're going to put them in your, your brain or whatever. Yeah. So it's not overt misogyny. Yeah, but I gave him a point anyway. Great. Is there a Bible shown on screen? Yes. 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 Church is, shown on yes. screen? Multiple yes. times. Yeah. Multiple times. Uh, throughout the movie and then right at the end as well. Yeah. Is scripture it, quoted? Yes. Yes. Right? Yeah, because they're they, like, yeah. They yeah, say the Lord's Prayer. The vicar in the reading. And they, yeah, um, they read. Is the character persecuted for their faith? Nope. Mm, no. Firearms. Firearms. No. No. No firearms. Wait. Sorry. Teen pregnancy. Nope. Technically, Julie's mom was pregnant at nineteen. Hmm. It's not well, we don't enough. See it on screen. So yes, no. and that's and but but first time viewers that will escape them. Yes, you're because right. because you can't like you have to read the. Letters yes. that she wrote. That was, man, that was such a good scene, too. Rousing moments. There's not really rousing moments. There's more just like Greta Gerwig wrecking you emotionally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, annoying kids. Who's the most annoying? <laughs> Kyle. <laughs> Kyle. Yeah. I was thinking of the scene in the grocery store where she goes up to Danny and Danny's siblings are being loud and obnoxious. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, but that doesn't necessarily pertain to the whole plot of the movie. Yeah. So. Conspiracies. I mean, yeah. I mean, Kyle talks about conspiracies. He talks about conspiracies, and this is one that, like, I kind of added after you and I talked about the criteria. Um, this is more like you know, 
conspiracy fear and kind of right. the way that you know like well facebook said that da, 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 da. Right. so yeah, yeah. there's there, this was this is a period piece so it's like kind of before that time back in the good old days back in the good old days <laughs> oh d- real quick on succession this past episode which is one oh, of the man. craziest like episodes oh, of tv ever made yeah. when roman says i don't know maybe it would be good if our country turned back the dial 20 years or something and it's like are you serious Ro- here in colkin plays roman roy so freaking well he's so good yep oh, he man. won this past episode oh for sure or greg oh greg it's not lemon it's just uh, it just has a hint of lemon it's just a little it, lemony it just has a hint of lemon it's such a that wasabi all right the bodega sushi and the cocaine oh my gosh oh my gosh so, it's so good classic hometown controversy no not really this is more like a footloose sort of you know yeah thing um and what and yeah is it an hour and a half oh or around that is that what you mean by economical that's what i meant time-wise okay yeah yes it is sure is all right and the very last one is it the modern classic from edgar wright scott Pilgrim versus the world it is not unfortunately it doesn't get a point the 100 points that's true. <laughs> um, the total score for Lady Bird is 19 flyover points. 19 flyover points. And as of now, it is the highest scoring uh, <laughs> flyover movie because we haven't uh, gone back and scored the rest of them. But we are going to do that on an episode this year to set the record straight. We are. Everything we've covered. All at once. Everything everywhere all at once. Yeah. Yep. Um, you thought we ended the episode, but we didn't. Thank you for listening. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts if you haven't already. That helps us out a lot. Um, our theme song is by Corden Jocks. Our art is by... Macy Lummis, they are Little Rock artists. They're putting out new stuff even as we speak. Go check them out. Um, Our next episode is... Isn't it Yellow Jackets? It's Yellow Jackets Jackets Season 2, Season 1 recap. And I think it's going to be a pretty interesting episode because we've covered TV in the past. And... I don't know. How are you feeling about Yellow Jackets right now? I haven't watched the newest episode, so I'm a, a week behind. Um, oh man. I, I was talking about this with my brother, and this is all I'll say to you about this, because I want us to mostly have, like, no actual idea how we feel about it. Yeah. I feel like now that we know that there's this, like, spirit or conspiracy something or other i wish they would stop i feel like they're dragging it out a little bit and i'm like all right let's go you read my mind and 
I think that we will be able to conclusively say at the end of season two when we on our episode whether or not it sticks to the landing because right now I feel like we are crash landing with the soccer team it mm-hmm. just in terms of like it is just both Jessica and I are just really bored and frustrated with mm-hmm. kind of where everything is going right now mm-hmm. so um but we're gonna give it a chance and just a summer movie preview across the spider-verse indiana jones 5 mission impossible dead reckoning part one probably my that is hands down my most anticipated movie of the summer or of the year oppenheimer and barbie and then throwback thursday the sandlot and hot rod it's gonna be a really fun summer for this podcast it's gonna be a lot of fun i can't wait this summer is gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun for sure and i'm excited about covering all these new releases that are coming out um you're most excited for mission impossible i think i'm most excited for across the spider-verse probably barbie too Mm -hmm. uh i think i've made it very evident that i am a greta gerwig fan Mm -hmm. and so i'm just i'm really curious to see like what she does with with that story and with that character and she's gonna do something that we're not expecting so yeah i'm really looking forward to it yep um we will see you guys later this week in case we need to do an emergency pod about adam driver being cast as mr fantastic in the mcu Mm. because apparently right now it's that adam driver and margo robbie are going (laughs) margo robbie apparently did you know this no, this is apparently the first, she. This is the apparently, this is, apparently this is legit. Apparently, this is legit. Like he's in the talks to play Reed, and she's in the talks to play Sue. That's and I'm crazy. Like, I haven't been on like. Please don't let it be today. true, so that I don't have to keep watching. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then okay. they were apparently Mila Kunis and Jodie Comer were also kind of like in talks, but then some. It was hilarious because one of the accounts I was just looking around because I was bored. And one of them was like, they're looking for a Jewish actor to play Ben Grimm. And apparently they're thinking about gender swapping <laughs> and Mila Kunis may be the thing. And I was like, y'all are insane. So, just, Okay, whatever. That's hilarious. Dumb. Yeah. Hilariously dumb. But it also doesn't belong on this episode. No. That's Go watch Lady Bird if you haven't already. And if you've gotten to this point and you haven't seen Lady Bird, you're insane. So love you. <laughs> See you later. Love you, bye.